Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So in this third installment of this series, Live Greater, I want to speak to you from this idea and I'm hoping that you're taking notes. A promise of sanctification. Promise of sanctification. And would you pray with me? Um, Father, we love you. We thank you for these moments, Lord God, that we can just come before you, Lord God, that we worshiped you. We filled your throne with glory, Lord. I pray, Father, that um, that you felt worshiped um, by this church amongst a plethora of other of your children, Lord, all over the world that are worshiping you today. Um, Father, I pray that your attention, um, that your engagement will be found here. And Father, as we learn these core principles, Lord God, um, I feel sometimes like the enemy can try to attack here the most with distraction and with different things, Lord God, because this is at, at its root, Lord God, the biblical message, what you came to teach. Um, and so, Father, pray, I pray today, Lord, that we will eliminate distractions, Lord, that we would be able to grasp it, help our hearts to understand, Lord, so that we can be able to take this, Lord, and continue to walk out what you called us to do. Father, we love you, and we thank you for everything that you've done so far. We're excited, Lord God. We're expecting for everything that you will do, continuing to move forward, Lord. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus in his place? That was a little better. That was a little better. That was a little. That's like if you're cheering for the Atlanta Braves. That was decent. Like it went up a, le- it went up a level. Hey, over... <laughs> Over the last, you will be soon. Hey, over the last few weeks, uh, we've been in this series called Live Greater. And so what I've done is I've tried to unpack what it looks like, um, four core promises that I believe God has given us. Now I believe it's all through scripture and in so many different ways. And so these four core promises, number one, are what happened to the children of Israel right before they went out um, and started to actually become a nation. Um, God calls Abraham and then he calls his two other sons. One of the sons out of that, um, there's some situations happen where they sold unto slavery you ain't need to be, you don't need to watch Netflix just read your Bible they sold them unto slavery he ends up second in command um I hope you watch Prince of Egypt and then he gets to a place where the children of Israel have been in this space for 400 years and being there for 400 years they they start to produce and they start to multiply and so the king of Egypt or the pharaoh of Egypt at that moment he's intimidated by them so he puts them under slavery and bondage now so here they are that they're growing and they're multiplying and for 400 years they are slaves God looks upon their cries and he answers and he raises up a man whose name was Moses who was uh, probably the the last candidate that you would think and so Moses steps into the scene and before anything happened, God gives them a promise. And in these, these are four promises, four core, four core promises that the children of Israel today, 2023, every Passover, they read this scripture and they pull out four I wills. And for some of us, we know communion. We just had communion where you had the, the bread and you have the cup of wine, right? And so what happens is that we, we relegate in the Christian church, especially on the Western side, we, that is communion. And it is, that's how we observe communion. 
But when the Jewish people observe communion, there's actually 14 steps that they take and there's four different cups that they drink. Um, you can see this in Luke 22. You can see it when he drank and then he prayed and then he drank the other cup of communion and you start to see that there are multiple instances where he is doing that, right? It makes sense when you understand the Seder, Jewish Seder, right? And so here it is, that these four I wills come from Exodus chapter 6 and they repeat them. I will save you. I will free you. I will deliver you and I will fulfill you. I will bring you amongst people and I will fulfill you. And so these four I wills all through scripture have always been the promise of God. When we talk about them in 2023, sometimes we can think these are only promises that are available to the children of Israel. When in reality, Ephesians chapter 1, it talks about them in our own personal life. And last Sunday, I unpacked what that looks like where God wants you to know him. He wants you to find freedom. He wants you to discover your purpose. 82% of the body of Jesus Christ, the church, Christians, especially when I'm dealing with 30s and unders, the thing that I hear the most, 90% of the time, I don't know my calling. I don't know my purpose. And next Sunday, we're going to tackle that. That's going to be a good one. But then also to make a difference, to actually be in action. Um, I've always heard that the church, the local church is the hope of the world. And when I heard that, um, I lived it. And I, I was a proponent, I, I fought for that thing, but it's such an incomplete statement. The church, the hope, the local church is not just the hope of the world. The local church mobilized is the hope of this world where we're in action and we're actually doing stuff, not just us four listening to our preachings and going home and then living our life in a bubble and then coming back to church on Sunday. Hallelujah, glory to God. But we're actually mobilized. We're doing something with it. That's when we begin to make a difference. And so as you can see in Ephesians chapter 1, all four of these promises are still prevalent because they're not just prevalent, prom promises, but like the prophet, the modern day philosopher said, it's God's plan. And the psalmist, Drake, when he wrote the song, I don't think he understood what he was saying, but there is a plan that God has for you. The plan is for you to get saved. The plan is for you to get discipled. The plan is for you to understand what your purpose is, what your calling is in life, to ultimately get to a place where you actually start to make a difference. Last Sunday, we unpacked what it looks like, the first promise, which is salvation. Salvation has nothing to do with any of the other three promises. You have nothing to do with them. It is God that does it by himself. The church, though, what we do sometimes is that we convolute the two and we try to flip them. We, we make them... Well, the second promise is all about discipleship. It's all about learning. It's all about the steps that we take to get closer to God. But then we take those things and we put them first. And we're like, well, first, you got to repent of your sins. You got to clean your act up together. You got to make sure that you got it all good and that you clean, tucked, and you're, doing, you're wearing the right thing. You're saying the right thing. And then you can be saved. When in reality, you don't have to do any of those things to be saved. Hold on, Chino, you don't got to repent to be saved? How? How are you going to repent? If you don't have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ living inside of you, you get saved and then you repent. For so many of us, and me included, I was always this guy that was like, yo, I'm never going to church. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I need to stop smoking, drinking. I need to stop sleeping. I need to stop doing these things. And then I'm going to go to church because if I go to church first, I'm going to get leprosy. The church going to burn down. There's going to be a lightning bolt. Boom, right where I'm at. And we, we end up in this circle, this cycle of constant where we're thinking, well, I got to get myself cleaned up and then I'm going to come to church. You never do. You never will. The first thing that happens is that you need to receive salvation, and salvation is a free gift. You can't do anything to earn it. It is just yours. God gives it to you. Romans 10, 9 said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. I'm going to show y'all, because some of y'all are looking at me with a weird face. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, period. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not. Somebody say not. not. 
Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We don't do anything to receive. So last week, what we talked about is this idea that when we feel trapped, we feel like there's no potential in us. We feel like we're living in this place where we're just exhausted. Yo, there is hope for us, and it is salvation that God wants to save you. So we receive that, right? But then we start to do things not for salvation, but we do things from salvation. Watch this. And that's where we repent. That's where we let go of things that we talked about last Sunday. That's where we commit our life to Jesus and we go fully into this thing. But we have to first take the step and the promise of salvation. Four core promises. The first one is salvation. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. It says, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important for you to watch this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear for God is working in you and giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So here it is. We work not for salvation, but to demonstrate the fruit of our salvation. So we turn from our sins. Remember last week we talked about it? We make a 180 turn. We repent from our sins to show our salvation. We let go of unforgiveness. We let go of the addiction. We let go of these things because we are saved, not so that we can be saved. And we commit our life completely to Jesus. We have these moments where we we live this out. And then what happens is that you get saved, right? Step number one, you give your life to Jesus. In that moment, the spirit of the Lord lives inside of you. And then he helps you to be able to repent. What the scripture says here at the very end, it says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So it, he gives us the desire. I want to do right. I don't want to keep doing this. That's why you'll, something you, for Christians, we'll make a mistake, we'll sin, we'll do something, and then we don't feel right about it. There's some, man, I shouldn't have done. You cuss somebody out. Some of y'all in the car and you're driving, you said some stuff under your breath and you say, why'd I say that, man? Dang it, Chino. You wave and you don't use all your fingers. Because we're in a process. Salvation happens instantly. Sanctification, discipleship, us growing, that's a process. You know when you come to the completion of that process? The, the day that your breath goes out and never comes back in, that you go, and you're done. You wake up in the arms of Jesus. That's when you're a perfect human. In the meantime, though, we're triune beings, right? So we are a body, our physical nature, our physical, who we are. And then we are a soul. Our soul is the way that we think, our central processing unit, the way that we make decisions. And then the third thing is that we, it's our spirit. We are a spirit. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This whole thing called Christianity, because a lot of us, we refute, we fight against, and we ignore um, the thing that we don't even understand. And so salvation isn't about God making bad people good. It's never been about that. It's about taking dead spirits and bringing them back to life. It's about you're dead in Christ. You're dead by yourself and God brings you alive in Christ. So your spirit, the big word, the theological word is called regeneration. You come back to life. Your spirit comes to life. What happens though is that for a lot of us, we are led by our body and by our soul. And our spirit is sitting here on the side on Sunday mornings. It comes alive. It sings a couple of songs and then it just kind of diminishes during the week. If these two are leading you, bro, it's always going to lead you down a path that you don't want to. Because the body is always telling you, let's do something to please me. I need to eat. Bro, you just ate. I'm married, but I want her too. I need another drink. And let's roll up another one. And your body is constantly, it wants to be satisfied. It wants to feel good. 
But then you have your soul, right? The way that you think. And the way that you think is always affecting and even moving your body. Because it will tell your body, I'm depressed, I want to kill myself. It will tell you, I'm anxious right now. And it will tell your body how to feel. And your mind is processing, let's get away. I don't want to go to church. Let's not do that. And it will tell your body. I mean, whichever one of those two is leading, it's always leading you to destruction if you allow for either one of these to lead you. But then we got the Spirit of God. What would happen if we put the Spirit at the very beginning and allow for the Spirit of God to start to lead us? Things would start to change in your life. My responsibility, there are times that we're going to talk about the body. And hopefully you go do some chiz fit and go work out and get some meal prep. You know what I mean? I'm on the process of getting my body right. (laughs) My body ain't all the way right. It used to be. But then there's a second part that is our soul. And we take time. And since the inception, I see my brother Anibal who's here from the very beginning of our church. He knows we've been talking about the soul since the very beginning of this church because we understand that there's so much. And today, this message is going to kind of teeter that line of the soul a little bit. But we deal with so much stuff that if we don't process it, it's always going to allow for us to go deviate from God's plan. But my responsibility is to build up your spirit, man, so that it can begin to lead. And so today I want to show you a couple of things um, because if you take the spirit man and allow for it to be at the front and continue to lead, some things happen. Number one, the first thing that happens is that you find freedom from sin. There's freedom from sin. Um, But, you know, you told me that if I get saved and I give my life to Jesus, he forgives me of my sins and and that's it. So when I get saved, I don't have to worry about sin no more. That is a lie. (laughs) I wish that it was that way. You got saved in Jesus' name. I'm done. (laughs) No, buddy. I feel like that's where it gets intensified because you recognize it because now you can start to see the schemes of the enemy. I'm getting ahead of myself in the message. I want you to see something. Romans chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. Um, Sin, let let me put it this way. Sin is the things that we do to ourselves. Nobody needs to do it to you. Nobody hurts you. Nobody. Sin is the thing that we do to ourselves, right? That's what we do. We do to ourselves. Watch this. Romans chapter 7, verse 21 through 25. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me. This is Paul speaking. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me the soul and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That, that promise, the word sanctification, it also can be interchanged with the word deliverance. And when we hear deliverance, it's we get weird when we hear the word. It's like a demon. You're about to shake and do all. And what we don't understand is that God told the children of Israel, I'm going to save you, but then I'm going to free you. They sound the same, but they're not. Because I'm going to save you. I get you out of Egypt. But now I need to get Egypt out of you. And please understand, man, we don't shy away from it. And the devil is real. I'm going to explain it in just a minute. And deliverance is a real thing. One that we've experienced, been trained in, we talk about. But today, I want to show you what it looks like when you actually have God stepping into the picture. And when you feel like I am a bondage to sin. Because I do so good for about a month. But then somebody something comes on my feed I see something online and before you know it I'm in front of a screen at four o'clock in the morning watching pornography until the morning comes up and I'm stuck and I can't get out of this thing and I've called on the name of Jesus I have salvation but I'm still struggling with this thing there is a way for you to get out of that thing scripture says that if you walk with the spirit you will not satisfy Galatians 5 16 walk in the spirit and you will not satisfy the lust of the flesh but I want to show you something 
Because for so many of us, we, we get into this space where we're, look at me, and I know you're taking notes, and some of y'all look up at me for just a second. Going to church doesn't free you from sin. P please listen to me. Going to church isn't going to give you victory over sin. I, listen, initially, hear me. That's why I'm telling you, look at me. Don't write nothing down. The first thing you got to do is that you got to go to God. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus. So it has to be your relationship with God, not an hour and 15, an hour and 30 minutes on a Sunday. Not a G group that will happen an hour on a, week, on a weekday. There has to be a relationship that you have with Jesus. Not me. I'm not your relationship. Just because I run my mouth up here and I give you some instructions and some steps to take. I am not, I'm not, your, I'm not Jesus. Bro, I'm messed up. If you look close enough, you're going to see some failures in me. If you look close enough, you're going to see some weaknesses. If you stare long enough, you're going to see that I don't got it all together. But, but Jesus does. But if we put our focus on him, when we put our focus on him, he begins to use church. He begins to use people in your life. He begins to use the pastor. But you got to put it in his right order. You got to put it in his right context. It's Jesus first. Then I'm going to go to church on Sunday. Then I'm going to go to a G group because I got this thing right first. Once I got that thing right, Scripture says that you will be receiving victory from sin. Number two, you also get healing from your wounds. And what are wounds? Um, for so we, We've explained it, and, um, and it's one of my favorite topics. I think it's my life message. The reason why it's my life message is because um, I don't even remember how many years ago I was in a space that I didn't know that I was dealing with so many soul issues. I didn't know that I had so much, and I was a pastor. I was leading um, and I just didn't know that I had so many things that I had covered up. And as a man, what happens is that, especially a man who doesn't have a father, what ends up happening is that sometimes we just have to become the man of the house, right? And so we make decisions, we make mistakes, we deal with our mistakes, we correct them ourselves, we walk a different path, and we, we figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, we, we just figure it out. Put the microwave too long. Okay, let me drop 30 seconds. I burnt that junk again. All right, let me do it a little bit. And we get to the point where we figure it out. But when you figure it out so much, before you know it, you started to create mechanisms and walls that you inadvertently did that you had no clue of so what happens is that we talked about this as a church is that we start to build walls because we're like yo I don't want nobody to hurt me again I don't want nobody to do this to me and we put up a wall and so because we've been hurt so much because this happened to us we nah nobody's ever gonna do that some of y'all don't even let people borrow your chargers anymore I mean it's to that point like hey let me use your car to the gas station what car who nah bro I don't do that because somebody hurt you in that area Somebody lied, stole, broke your charger, never gave it back to you, asked you for $20. 17 years later, you're like, hey, you remember the $20? And then they want to get mad at you. Like, you, what, bro, you, you asked me. I didn't ask you. Oh, you petty. You asking for, sorry. <laughs> we build these walls. What happens with building these walls is that, yeah, we're not going to get hurt by people because we're like, we don't trust them. But at the same time, we're also not going to get blessed by God. And he uses people to bless us. But then there's another side to this toy, and this is probably one that you didn't know. For some of us that have been living inside of these walls, you're living with the worst person on earth. You're living with the person who has lied to you the most, who has cheated you the most, who has told you that they wouldn't do it and they did it again. And then they told you, I promise this time I'm not going to do it again. And they did it again. You're living with you. Nobody has hurt you more than you've hurt yourself. 
you have lied, cheated yourself. You have told yourself, let's go this way. This is going to be fun. And then when you're here, you're like, yo, how did I get here? You put yourself there. But you're living in a wall with you. And you are the only one that's giving you advice. But you ain't got no good advice. So under this wall, we're sitting there and we're trapped. But here's what happens when we go to God first, right? The promise of sanctification, the promise of deliverance is that God wants to set you free from that. Watch this. Psalms 32, verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of, everybody say that word, deliverance. What happens is this, is that you have these walls and God is a wall breaker. Scripture after scripture, I've seen where he's tore down walls and he's been able to create freedom. God can break down every one of those walls. But God, no, they hurt me. You don't understand. And God is telling you, I'm not going to break down the walls and leave you by yourself. I'm going to break down the walls, but I'm going to cover you with songs of deliverance that God is singing over you, that God is thinking about you. Let me tell you something. You don't just sing about anybody. When you start to sing about somebody, it's because you like them. Some of y'all giggle too much. Mama, telling me no. <laughs> you, when you like somebody, you start to sing them. You know, you start, some of y'all don't even know you're singing the key of Y, but you just go for it. Man, how crazy is it that the creator of the universe, he's written not only has he written song about you, but scripture says that he has songs of deliverance that he's covering you. I know he hurt you and I'm not minimizing that, but let me protect you. I'm, I'm singing a song over you of deliverance. I, I'm saving you. Yo, something happens when you can walk into a room and you're just like, yo, I know that I'm in a room full of sharks. And some of us business people who are in this room, I, I know that you walk in there and you're like, I got to make sure that this contract makes sense because everybody around this table is they're drooling because they want to take something from me. But that we can walk in a room with a confidence. There's, there's songs of deliverance that are covering us, that he's, he's walking with us. He's singing songs of deliverance over you. He's protecting you. Some of y'all know what that protection is. Because when the enemy was whispering in your ear, there was a song that was louder than what he was whispering. And that song began to make sense because if you would have listened, you wouldn't have been in a space. Because you know what it's like. You know what it's like to listen. And when you listen to the voices of the enemy, you find yourself way over here, way figuring it out on your own. How did I get here? But then God comes and he begins to, man, I just love the, the phrasing of that where he begins to sing songs of deliverance over you. Sin is what you do to yourself. Wounds is what other people do to you. God will give you victory over sins. He will heal your wounds. But then there's a, second, a third part to it, and is that he will give you authority over the enemy. And what happens is that when we begin to talk like that, unfortunately, again, um, what has happened is that sometimes church has taken that, that thought. Um, and I'm not even going to say church. I believe mainstream media has done a, a, a stupid job of desensitizing the power of the enemy of who the enemy is. I mean, you scroll online, you see Doja Cat, and you just, <laughs> I mean, you, can, you watch movies, and you're like, they will, they'll, they'll take the enemy and make it, you know, what, in the poltergeist? You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll make it seem like something that's funny, but in reality, there is an enemy. There is an adversary who is after you. There is an enemy to your soul who wants to kill you. Um, here's what happens is the scripture calls him a, a roaring lion. 
and there is a roaring lion that is after you. And when you hear the roaring lion, it's that sound. It doesn't say a devouring lion. It's seeking whom he may devour. But all he does is roar. And what happens, and I love David Higgins. He did a really good job of explaining this, that the enemy doesn't have any authority. The only authority or power that he has is the power that you give to him. So when you hear him roaring, you're like, oh my God, he's going to eat me. That's it. I'm done. I'm dead. You handing him power to walk in his step. But in reality, I don't believe that there's a lion that's roaring that is the enemy, that he's looking how to get me. Man, I got a lion that really roars and that really has power. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is stronger. He got teeth on him. He got some paws on him. He got some power on him. And when I turn to him, when I receive the cup of, when I receive the promise of deliverance, he's on my team. I want to I show you something. I want to show you something real quick. Ephesians chapter 6, because I, I want to unpack it. Because for some of us, when we hear the devil and the, the enemy and all of this stuff, we're just like, yeah, that, and depending on the church, the, the, we, the spiritual realm, we, we subjugated, we put that junk on TV. You know what I mean? It's a Netflix episode. When we think about the spiritual realm, we're just like, yeah, I don't know if I believe that. Bro, you believe a 14-year-old girl got pregnant and had a son whom you've given your life to. You believe that the, the earth split up waters hundreds of feet down, put it on both sides, and millions of people walked on dry land. Like, I mean, we believe some crazy stuff in the Bible. But when it comes to the spiritual things, what happens is not only media, but sometimes the church would deminimize it because they don't understand it. It's hard for us to. And so it's, I don't want to explain that. Let's talk about this and let's stay here forever. And 50 years down the line, you're still on the book of Revelation talking about Jesus is coming. I know who are the church rats because those were the ones that made noise. Y'all remember what it was like. Jesus is coming every day. You go to the movie theater, you're going to hell. I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. It says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power. The devil has schemes. And I mean, the more that you take it, the more that you begin to see those schemes even in your life. There's times that I would look at my life and, and it's funny because the enemy, he, he doesn't use like, he doesn't use different things. His schemes are usually the same. He might package them a little bit different. But he usually uses the same, like, like Kirsten, like what he does is like in, in my life, like he will, he will, addiction is huge, right? So in my life, uh, all through my family, generations, um, addiction was one of the biggest things. And what you would think when you hear addiction is automatically you're thinking drug addiction. And sometimes when you hear drug addiction, you begin to think to yourself, oh, that's the way the enemy's always going to trap me that way. He's always, he knows how to trap me that way. But what happens is it's not just drug addiction. It could be sexual addiction, but it might not be either one of those. I might be in a space where, man, for years of my life, I've been able to find victory over that, but I'm working 18 hours a day. Or I'm going to the gym and I'm spending way too much time in it because the enemy knows, oh, I know how to, let me get him in here because if I push him here, because the thought is not to keep me addicted, the thought is to keep me away from God. 
Because if he can keep me away from God, he can have all types of fun with me. And that's what happens in our own personal life. The enemy, he attacks you, and you know the way that he attacks you. He's been doing it since you were a kid. And he does it in different ways. He dresses it up with different lipstick, but it's still the same thing. Depression has been the same since you were a kid. It's just a little different. It has gotten to the point for some of us that it's become a superpower and a strength. Well, I need to have anxiety because that's how I get work done. That's a, a lie and a plot of the enemy. It is a scheme. It is a plan that the enemy has. So here's the thing. If the enemy is so orchestrated and so smart, he has rulers and he has authorities and he has powers and he has spiritual forces. What in the poltergeist is going on, Chino? This is real. I mean, this isn't fake. This isn't something I'm just reading to give you a scare tactic. But what I want you to understand is that you got the lion of the tribe of Judah. You have authority over the enemy. That those things don't have no power over those who have called on the name of Jesus. That we can step into a place where demons have to bow at the name of Jesus. But understand that it's a step. It's a process. We've given our life to Jesus. You have no authority in my life, enemy. But now I understand, yo, I have power over sin. I'm healing my wounds. Lord is working with me. Now I got a power over the enemy. Now I can understand. I can see him because his schemes, I recognize them. Oh, I'm scrolling through Instagram. I see you. I see you. And here's how you attack it. You don't attack it by going right now in the right father and you rebuking your phone right now. You don't throw your phone across it. Father, right now, rebuke my phone. You don't bring oil. You know how you do it? Father, in the name of Jesus, I know me. And Lord, I'm a mess. And I know that this thing right now that the enemy's trying to do is going to begin to grow. And Father, I don't want to find myself in front of a computer screen. Father, I want you right now to eliminate and I need you to help me. How do you do that? I want to show you. Three quick ways. Number one, real quick. You could bring up the worship team because I'm about to wrap this thing up. Three quick ways. Number one, somebody say, be real. Be real. Turn, turn to your neighbor and say, be real. I hate when I have to turn to my neighbor. I hate, I'm never doing that again. Turn to your other neighbor and tell him, you be real too. <laughs> say, I don't know you, but the, the black Cuban on stage, he told me to do it. I promise. I like you. You look amazing. You look beautiful, by the way. Shoot your shot, boy. Um, <laughs> be real. Be real. What happens is that we will work, walk into church sometimes, and we're proponents, Christians especially, man. We're, we're notorious for this thing, man. Um, we will hide sin in our own life. Um, to the point that it will kill us and it will destroy our family and destroy our children because we were never real about it. Um, we never admitted it. And so we have these issues that happen and they prolong from generation to generation. Um, and the reason why is because we're so afraid that the moment that we do share it, we feel like we're going to, the word is condemnation. We feel like people are going to sit there and be like, ha, I saw it. You freaking hypocrite. You fake Christian. You bad husband. You bad son. Look at, look at you, bro. You're supposed to be a Christian. Look at this stuff. And what happens is that we, we begin, we, we hold the mask, right? And we hold the mask and we fought all the way to church and we're arguing in the car. You stupid. I can't deal with you. And then you get out the car. Y'all better put a smile on your face. How you doing? I'm blessed. <laughs> My children blessed too, right, yo? <laughs> yeah, praise God. And we, and we fake that junk till we make it. Hey, man, how you doing? Man, I'm good, bro. I'm blessed. No, you're not. No, you're not, bro. You're not. Dude, you've been struggling. You've thought three times last week to kill yourself. And but the grace of God, you're here. But we have this face where it's like, man, if people know that I'm struggling with this depression, it's just, I just, and, and we put this face. Can I tell you, man, there is no condemnation. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let God tell you. Watch this. Romans chapter 8. 
I want you to see something. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. In the New Living Translation, it says, So there is no condemnation. Condemnation is expression of a very strong disapproval. There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you. Deliverance, sanctification from the power of sin that leads to death. God doesn't want to condemn you. We all, every single one in this room, I guarantee you that we know John 3.16, right? Hopefully, most of us, we know it. You ready? We're going to sing it. Let's sing it. Let's say it. Ready? One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe. You got some King James. You got some New Living Translations. You got some, <laughs> and thouest believeth. You know what I mean? Y'all went, we went all over the place. But do you know there's a verse after that? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. God didn't come to condemn. How are you going to condemn something that's already been condemned? How? It, it won't work. They've already been condemned. That's why I love my brothers and sisters who are behind prison, man. They have given their life to Jesus. And, and I've shared the story just a few weeks ago. Yeah, just a few weeks ago, we were down in Texas. We got guys who are on death row that we were doing a five-day campaign, five days of preaching the gospel. 700, over 700 people gave their life to Jesus. I mean, beautiful story, but there were guys that were on death row that were fasting for that, that they couldn't get out of room. 23 hours, they're in a room. They open their cell up. They stand outside. They're able to wash themselves. They open the door in the back. They're able to play in their backyard, and then they got to go back in, and they're waiting for an execution. They, they're fasting meals because they knew that we were going to be in that prison. Because just because they were in prison doesn't mean the prison had to be inside of. So we, we, don't, we don't have to live that way. We, we don't have to live that way. We can be free, man. It, it's a learned skill of not having condemnation and understanding that the power of life lives inside of us. Number two, which is important, and I think it's, it's we have to look in. Um, this is a practical tool. And I've preach this up and down, left and right. And I'm going to just give you a quick tidbit because I want to get you out of here in a proper time. But, yo, you, you have to look in. And the word that we use is self-awareness. Th there has to be a point in your life that you start to think to yourself, what, why did I just say that to her? Why, why did I just put another hole in my wall? Why did I just punch the steering wheel in my car? Yo, that person just did that. Why did I wave at them and didn't use all my fingers? So you, you self-awareness. Yo, why did I just feel that? My boss just came in here and told me, hey, hey, Chino, man, I'm gonna give you a raise, bro. I'm super excited. I just need you to keep grinding the way you're grinding. And the moment that he walks out, I'm like, yeah, right. He just wants me to work on Saturday. Why did I just say that? What made me not believe him? What, what causes that? It's called self-awareness. You, you gotta begin to understand yourself because if you're gonna live with yourself, then you better start checking yourself because if you don't, just going to keep getting worse and worse. Remember, we're trying to be led by the spirit, man. If we don't, we're going to be led by our bodies or by our souls. But if we have the spirit leading us, self-awareness is king. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 8. It says, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. The wisdom of the prudent, of the smart, is to understand his way. I want to, what makes me click? I want to, I need to have self-awareness. Why did I say that? Why did I think that? Why did I feel that? Why did I do that? Start, it, this is a learned thing. I, 
a uh, few years ago, oh my God, this was decades ago, um, I used to do music. And I remember that I was at this conference and there's thousands of students and I remember that I was doing music. I, I was a, a Krishna rapper. And I remember that I, as I was rapping, a girl, uh, my, one of my best friends in the planet, he was taking video, Brian, he was taking video of, uh, of, the, of the performance. And when he's taking, a girl taps him on the shoulder, uh, on the leg, and tells him something. So I'm in the middle of doing my song or whatever and we're like in the middle. He's on the stage and he grabs me. And he pulls me a little bit. And I'm like, I'm like, what's up? And he tells me, Chino, your zipper's down. <laughs> Y'all make some noise for Jesus. Yeah. I turned around and flipped that boy up so quick. There's never, never, there's never a time that I don't get on this stage without doing a gentleman's tap. You know what I'm saying? Just to make sure. Because I'm so self-aware. I'm like, it, it messed me up so bad. I was so like, yo, thousands of people. And I'm sitting here just, hey. And what happens is that that pain, that turmoil, that, that could have broke me where I was like, you freaking idiot, dog. You always messing up, Chino. Look at that. You destroyed the whole time. You messed it up. Nobody heard what you said. They were looking at you. And I could have just went down that road if I was allowing for my body and my soul to make the decisions. But I got a spirit that I'm trying my best to allow to lead. And what it did was that now it's self-awareness. Now I'm like, okay, I got to make sure that I don't do that again. Why did I just get so angry? Well, the reason why you got angry, Chino, is because there's fear. You always have anger as a mask for fear. What are you scared of? And now I start to think, what am I scared of? Well, I got angry because of this. And the reason why is because of this. That's so stupid. That's a demonic lie from the enemy. Why would I even think that that's real? I had COVID and I'm standing in front of a screen and I'm watching at my church, at my house and I'm watching the service and I'm like, oh my God, they did the wrong translations. We don't say newcomers. We call people if you're new here. Oh my God, why is there a cable on the screen, on the floor? Oh my God, these, nobody cares about this. And then I sat there for a second and said, yo, why am I so angry right now? Why do I feel this? And I sat down and I said, God, why, why did I just feel all this anger? I know it's fear. What am I afraid of? And I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered, you think that somebody's going to hear that? Somebody's going to see that cable and never visit the church again? And think, oh, I'm never going. These people are sloppy. Look at them. And you're allowing for fear. And I was like, yo, how stupid is that? How dumb is that? That I'm about to ruin a relationship and get mad at somebody, have a conversation with somebody that all it is is just like, yo, fix the cable. Oh, man, I didn't even see that cable. I got it. Here, there. That's good. But when you don't have self-awareness, you start to jump out there and now you're cussing your wife out. You're cussing your kids out because you, you got it. Number one, you got to look in. You got to have self-awareness. But number two is that you got to look out. You, you got to look out. And that's, that's probably the hardest one um, that I think we have as a church, as a, as a people group. Um, because 100% of the people, 100% of the injuries, the wounds that you have, have come from people. But yet people are the very things that will help you. It's hard for me to think that the very thing that hurt me is the thing that's going to save me. And so when I think about how, how am I going to go to what hurt me to help me, it, it discourages me when I don't understand or have experience what that looks like. How many of y'all remember uh, WWF? Some of my old folks, the younger people are like, what, WWE? Like, no, man, I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the ultimate warrior, Dusty Rhodes. You feel me? Like, Razor Ramon. 
That was the only Cuban we had in anything good outside of Tony Montana. And he was bad too, though. He was white. I love, I love white people. You guys are my favorite. But he was... <laughs> Razor Ramon, he was supposed to be a Cuban, but he was really white. And it was just, it broke my heart when I found out. His name was like Leonard or something like that. <laughs> I remember... I remember, I remember having, I remember watching wrestling and, and some of y'all remember like the tag team matches. Y'all remember the tag team matches? You'd be two on two, but there would be, some of y'all have no idea. You're like, my mom didn't let me watch that. It was the devil. God bless you. <laughs> Feel so bad for you. We have a prayer line over here on the left by Greg later for you. If you miss WWF, you know what I mean? And so I remember that it would be like a, a wrestling match and it would be two on two and there would be one guy that's in here and then the other guy, and they were, they're, they're fighting against each other. And then what would happen, because it was always real, it was never fake. What would happen is that this guy is getting beat up, and he's just like, oh, my God. And then his teammate is on the other side, and his teammate's, like, sitting there like, oh, my God, I'm watching my, te my, my teammate get beat up. And he's, oh, my God, I'm getting punched, kicked, and then he gets thrown and all of this stuff. And then there was a moment. Y'all remember that moment? There, there, was that, there was that moment. You're good. There was that moment where he just... <sighs> And then you see, and then you see the, and then you see the guy over here. He's like, tag me, tag me. Then he's trying to reach over. You know what I mean? Tag, tag. And then this guy just, he's starting to get the power. Oh. USA, USA, USA. You remember that? You remember that? And then all of a sudden he would just go, oh. it was like a slow motion. It was real. It was never fake. And it was all, and it was a slow motion. He would just jump. Oh, boom. And boy, when he tagged that, came over that, and just, I mean, just, and all, it would be like, I mean, it would just, it would go crazy. And eventually drop him, kill everybody, and then he'd go on there, and then they'll win. And then you see him picking up his friend, and they're just, because it's real. And they're just, oh, oh my God, and they're bleeding, you know what I mean? What happens is that what we think and we don't understand is, the people who put us in that place and made us bleeding and hurt us are the very same people that we got we to gotta tag. Because you need to, listen, ladies, you, you got to have somebody in your life that you can be real with. Fellas, you need somebody in your life because I know, man, we had to figure it out on our own. And I know we had to build our own life. And I had to make my own food. And I had to figure out the microwave. And I had to do this. And nobody, nobody gave me anything. I had to build it myself. But if you want to progress, you need to have people in your life that you can be real with. Hear me. Listen to me closely. You ain't got to tell everybody. But you got to tell somebody. You got to be on a journey with at least a couple of individuals that you could take your mask off and you can be real. Hey, Chino, man, I'm, man, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't get over this thing. I'm trying, bro. I'm trying, and I'm reading the Bible, and I'm praying, but it just feels like I keep getting tempted here. Hey, sis, I, I feel like I just, man, I, I know that he says he loves me, but I don't know how to love him back. I don't know how to do that. I'm trying, and I, I man, I, I tell him nice things, and I, I just, I just, I don't know what to do. You need to have people in your life that, number one, have been there, but they can walk with you. If you have that, you're going to watch as healing starts producing in your life. Because we go to God for forgiveness. We go to God's people for healing. Hold on, Tino. That's not biblical. What the heck? This heresy? You were doing real good until that moment. What do you mean I go to, 
I go to God for forgiveness. God heals me. That's why I go to him. God, I'm sorry. I keep messing up this thing. I'm going to read five chapters of the Bible today. God, watch. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to listen to any devil music. I'm not listening to Drake. I'm listening to Kirk Franklin. I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm, I'm, and, and you start making all these deals with God. And you, yeah, I'm coming to God, you know, and it's God knows my sin. Yo, but that's not healing. God is going to forgive you of your sin. He's not going to twist your arm and grab you and make you not do it again. That's on you. That's the process of deliverance, sanctification. He's going to give you the desire. He's going to give you the power, but you got to do it. And here's what that looks like. Let me show y'all because, again, this is like one of those hard things where some of y'all are looking at me again. Weird. Proverbs 28, 13. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. I'm going to take it a step further. This one going to mess you up for those of you that think I got to do this on my own. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. You need people. You need people. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to God and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So meaning, I got to go to God for forgiveness, but I got to go to God's people for healing. I got to have some people in my corner that I could walk with. It doesn't have to be everybody, but it got to be somebody because my healing is usually going to come through somebody. It's going to be through a relationship. It's going to be through somebody that says, the story is, there, there was a man. You remember this, Aníbal? Watch this. You remember this story? It's an old story. There, there was a, a man who falls in a ditch. And when he falls in a ditch, a doctor comes by. And he's in the ditch. And he's looking up. And when he's, when he's looking up, I'm sorry, I ruined your entire camera angle. I apologize. He's, he's in the ditch, and, the, and he goes to the doctor, and, and the doctor, he says, Doc, I'm in, I'm in a ditch. And the doctor's like, you're in a ditch. That's crazy. How'd you get in there? I fell. I'm prophetic. That's so profound. And he, says, and he says, Doc, I need some help. And the doc says, I got you. And the doc goes and right, takes out his notepad, boom, writes a good little prescription. And then and Janelle, he throws that junk in there with the guy. And the guy grabs a prescription. He's like, the heck is Ritalin? Only the OG ADHD people understand what Ritalin is. We were just H. We were hyperactive. You know what I mean? Y'all don't understand. Y'all got other stuff now. And he looks. He said, I don't need no Ritalin. And the, and the doc walks away. And then a pastor comes by. And the pastor comes by. And the pastor's like, hey, pastor. Hey, Rev, man, I'm in the hole. You're in the hole. How'd you get in there? I don't know. I just, I fell in the hole. Pastor, can you help me? And the pastor said, oh, man, of course I can help you, buddy. Philippians 4.13, here, I'm going to give you this right here. God said you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Uh, you can do, that's the word, it's, it means do, it's an action word, all things. That means you could do everything through Christ. Come on, somebody. Christ is in heaven. He's powerful. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He will give you the power and the strength that you need. Go ahead and sow a seed when you get out. And so the dude, and so the dude's sitting in the hole, like, he's encouraged, but he's still trapped. And so here comes somebody that looks just like him. It goes in the hole. He sees him. He, bro, 
you in a hole. He's like, I'm in a hole. I got Ritalin and a Bible verse. But I need a rope. Can you help me? And he's like, of course I can help you. And he jumps in the hole with them. And so the dude's like, bro, what are you? I can't even. I'm going to be here for the rest of my life. He's like, bro, Christian, he's like, what? Why am I, why did you jump in this hole with me? This don't make no sense. And he's like, man, I needed to get out of here. The, the doctor gave me a prescription. The, the pastor gave me a scripture. And, and I'm, I need a rope, bro. And the guy in the hole, he said, <laughs> super big smile on his face. Here's why you need people. He said, no, bro, don't worry about it. I've been in this hole before. I know how to get out of this thing. You need some people in your life that have been through some stuff that can help you to get out of some stuff. God will bring healing through people. You need to have some people in your life. A wise man learns from his mistakes. A wiser man learns from the mistakes of others. You need some people that have been in a hole because they know the way to escape. The way that I've always escaped is having people in my life. This church and what you see here wasn't built on my talents. It wasn't built on preaching. It was built on individuals who strived with us, who got up at 6 o'clock in the morning and opened up a trailer and freaking drug stuff out. People who went through the pandemic and were sitting in front of a camera talking about, God bless you, Greater Church. We just stay in my living room. People who were in a weird little L-shaped deal. People who came into this church and were ripping out pews and snatching out carpets. And people who today got up early in the morning and were sitting here setting stuff up. This thing happens because of us. Without people, man, we're trying to figure this. I can't even imagine if we didn't have Didi in our life. <laughs> you, you need people in your life. His friend took him out. <laughs> he, he lifted him up. <laughs> he lifted him up and he said, help me. <laughs> he put his leg down. He said, in Jesus' name. <laughs> but, but here's what I'm trying to show you. What I'm trying to show you, hopefully you understand, is, is do you need people. Like, right? Like, God, listen, he wants to give you freedom from sin. He wants to heal your wounds. He wants you to have power of the enemy. And it takes you understanding, yo, I have no condemnation. Let me take off my mask. It takes you evaluating yourself, man, why on a constant, every step that you're taking. And I know sometimes it can get boring, but you ain't, go, you ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere from you. You is stuck with you. So, so just you every single time. Okay, why did I think that? Why did I say that? Why did this happen? Evaluating yourself. You start to get healthy. It becomes second nature to you now. Then you start to find some healing. But you need to have some people around you that can walk around and say, Chino, man, that's, you shouldn't have said that, Papa. Hey, that, that wasn't cool. What you did, that wasn't cool but that you can also come and say, man, I'm, I need you. The reason why we have, and listen, this is not a, a ploy or a preaching for G groups, but that's the reason why we have G groups. It's so that you can have, ladies, some women in your life that can help you walk. They've been married for years. You want to get married, but it feels like you keep dating the wrong guy. Yo, there's some women in life that can tell you, girl, you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking for the six pack. Trust me, that six pack is going to fade. That, that's my wife. That junk turns into a one pack real quick. It's going to fade. And fellas, y'all, you know, I know you want health. You know what I mean? You want a healthy, you know? You're looking for healthy women. <laughs> that junk, the earth has gravity. And it starts to pull everything down. You need some guys that are going to teach you. Am I right, Odie? You need some guys that are going to teach you. Like, bro, don't stop looking for that. <laughs> you need to be looking for this. You need people in your life, man. That's why G-groups exist. For us to have real relationships. 
today, my desire, my hope for this message even to have made sense is not for you to walk out these doors, make a left and for you to leave. I, it's useless what I did with this microphone. My hope and my desire is for you to head straight into that room and scan a men's group, a, a women's group, a, a hiking group, a marriage group. You know, I ain't got this thing figured. I need a, you doing a marriage group with your wife. I want to, I want to learn more about that. I, I want to learn about martyrs. I got a missions heart. I want to go on missions trip. I want to learn about the people that are preaching Jesus in other countries. Like, you need to have some people. I want to go and I, I want to use the gifts of the Spirit, but I also want to learn from David. I want to learn how to be able to use it in practical evangelism. I want to go out there and reach people. I got a call on my life, and I want to go out there, and I want to start practically evangelizing. For some of us, hopefully, that's, that's the move. And for some of us, it's, it's not starting in step two, but it's just starting in step one. Because before you ever have a horizontal relationship and you find healing horizontally, you're never going to find that before you find it vertically. And there needs to be a relationship with Jesus that you have first. From that relationship, everything else will flow. So how does that happen, Chino? How much money I got to give? I got I to gotta join a G group? You ain't got to join a G group. You don't got to join a church. You ain't. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth, that's called prayer and you believe in your heart, it's called faith, that you shall be saved. It's simple. It's so simple, in fact, that he's taken everything out of your hands so you don't even have to do anything except receive it. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with